Happiness is not by chance, but by choice. That is a quote by Jim Rohn. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com, is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 81. Before I get into this week's episode, I just want to remind you to tune in every Friday for my Facebook live show called Talk to Trina, where I give you tips, tools, and talk about the trends in technology that you can use to continue your business and stay connected with your clients who are remote. The topic of this week's episode is Caring Conversations. My guest this week is Jed Jerchenko. Jed graduated from Southern California Seminary with a Master's of Divinity and returned to complete a second degree in psychology. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist, adjunct psychology professor, coach and author. Jed has written over 20 books filled with straightforward, easily applied marriage wisdom. Jed resides with his wife, Jenny, four daughters, and two foster daughters in Minnesota. In his free time, he enjoys reading, running marathons, barbecuing, and doing life with his incredible family. Hi, Jed. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hey, Trina, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I am great to have you on with me. You're different than my other guests, and I'm so excited to have you on because you deal with relationships and marriage and other things that are really exciting me. So give me the synopsis of who Jed is and how you come to do everything that you do today. Wow. Such a big question. And can can I give you the deep version? Yes, yes, yes. All right. So I never thought that I would be married, living in Minnesota, working as a marriage and family therapist, and raising six girls. So if you would have told me this when I was in high school, I would have thought, no way. You know, there's no way you're talking about me. And it's funny how life kind of twists and turns and it ends up really good because I'm looking back today and there is no place that I'd rather be. But what I learned kind of along the journey is, man, I had no clue about relationships. So I thought I had relationships figured out and somewhere along the way, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. And so My story is I spent the last two and a half years in a very conservative homeschool. Um, Growing up in a time where purity movement was huge, and there are a lot of good aspects of that, but growing up in a 
hyper-conservative homeschool group during this purity movement, um, there was this idea of relationships being dangerous. This thing of we don't date because that's going to lead to sex and all sorts of things that we don't want to get into. And so it went so far as to say, we're going to kiss dating goodbye. We're not going to date. We're not going to hold hands. A lot of my friends I remember talking to in our homeschool co-op, they were saying, we've got to save our first kiss for our wedding day. And so new relationships were important, knew they were valuable. But when you grow up into that, in that type of environment, man, you are just clueless. So graduated from high school, went to college, went to seminary, became a children's pastor and fell in love, got married, but it turned out to be an absolute disaster. Um, Great train wreck. And afterwards, while I was picking up the pieces, I looked back and I said, I'm missing something. Like, Trina, when you're in high school, at least for me, I thought I knew everything. I thought I had life figured out. And there's part of me that looks back and I'm like, man, if I could only go back in high school right now and ask myself how to do life, like, one, I'm scared to death what would come out of my mouth. But two, like, I know I'd be able to fire off those answers. I'd have answers for everything because that was me in high school. I thought I had it figured out. And so here I was, you know, 28 years old, picking up the pieces, really not even knowing how to date and thinking, how am I going to do this? So I've been to seminary. I've studied the Bible. I thought I had the answers. I said, I'm going back to school. And this time I'm going to study marriage and family therapy. One, there was a genuine compassion to help people. But two, I wanted to figure this out for myself. I wanted to figure out, one, what am I missing? And then two, since I've already had this train wreck, how do I become the crash test dummy so that other people don't have to go down the same path? Because since I'm already here, since that wreck's already happened, um, how do I help people avoid going down that same path? And so that was my journey. I graduated with the second master's degree, this time in marriage and family therapy, met my amazing wife, who just so happened to from Minnesota. And um, fast forward, um, we've now been married seven, seven years. I have six kids, so we now have more years of marriage than kids, um, we are a blended family in every sense of the term. Um, there are Jenny's two stepdaughters, um, our two daughters, and then our two foster daughters. Um, so I've learned a lot, one, about relationships and how to do relationships right. I've learned a lot about family, step families, certainly a lot about overcoming challenges. Um, one of my favorite step family or blended family quotes says, Blended families, we don't have a family tree, but a family forest. And that's so, so true because, you know, in our family, there are aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, you know, all people who love the kids. Um, But there's also bonus aunts, uncles, grandmas, cousins, which again is great to have, but more cooks in the kitchen mean more opinions. 
um, more personalities to juggle, more personalities that sometimes conflict. And so the bright side of all of this is that Jenny and I looking back, and Jenny said this on a couple of occasions, she said, Jen, you know, we've got a ton of challenges, probably more than most families, but those have brought us together. And I thought, they really have. And so when I say this journey has been a lot of twists and turns and unique things we weren't expecting, that's 100% true. But I can look back now, even on the train wreck and the hard times and say, you know what, it's good. It's brought us here. I've learned so much along the way. And so this has been really fun. And now today, I love sharing what I've learned about relationships and how to make them work well with other people. So really, that's my journey in a, in a nutshell, in a big nutshell. But Wow. Wow. Six girls, huh? <laughs> Six girls. Yep. Wow. That was an amazing story. Um, just I didn't know all of that was um, part of your story, but it's great because Relationships are key. They're key to everything in life, even though a lot of times we feel that we may be alone or we're doing things alone. Really, we do need relationships, whether it's um, an intimate relationship such as a marriage or a good friend, someone that you can go to with issues. We need relationships. So let's get into that. So, you, you know, you had your train wreck, as you called it, and you said, okay, I'm going to educate myself so that I can educate other people on how not to do. What, and you're a therapist, so what in your um, experience have you learned in a whole, what, let's go, okay, let's go back for it. What did that train wreck teach you? Yeah, I learned so much from that that relationship, that failed relationship, first of all, it taught me the value of relationships because as painful as it was, like I looked and I said, I want to get this right. I said, I want to have that close, connected, warm, bonded relationship. And Trina, I love geeking out on the research. And so here's something we know now from actually hooking couples up to fMRI machines scanning their brains, um, shocking them, believe it or not, couples actually signed up for this study um, while they're alone, while they're holding hands. And it's fascinating that um, one, the same area of the brain lights up when we're in physical pain as we're in as it does when we're in emotional pain. So there's there's this connection that relationships can hurt, but they also make life's bright moments brighter. And that's absolutely huge. Um, so when it comes to relationships, the fairy tales really do have it right. Um, married couples, couples in a relationship can be among the happiest people on earth. Um, and I saw that. I saw how painful a bad relationship can be. Uh-oh, I'm getting that call. <laughs> All right, so I paused that, but I also saw how incredible um, just this close, warm, caring, loving relationship can be too. 
And for me, that was huge. Um, bottom line is, is I knew that was what I wanted. I may have to find a way to turn this off of my computer. <laughs> oh, Trina, I'm sorry. All right, oh. I think I've got it okay. closed down. And if it happens again, I'm gonna see if there's a way to turn that volume off. So with that, and it's funny because you were talking about your childhood and how you didn't have the opportunity to date or anything like that. And I kind of grew up with a similar background, even though it wasn't related to uh, religion. It was just that I had a mother who was just absurdly, you know, strict and whatever. So I never really got an opportunity to date or learn the things that you learn in that dating time, you know, while you're going through high school and things like that. So I found that when I went to college, I was picking all the wrong people and kind of like you didn't know anything. How are you, and I don't know how old your children are, how are you approaching things like that with your children? Yeah, Trina, that's such a good question. So first of all, my oldest is 13 (laughs) and my youngest is three. So we've got a pretty big range. Mm-hmm. Now in high school, it sounds like you and I maybe had something in common is that we didn't do a whole lot of dating. Mm-hmm. And I like to tease my girls and tell them, oh yeah, first, first date, it'll be when you're 35 years old and I'll chaperone. <laughs> but the truth is, is I want them to date in high school. Yeah. And the reason being is man, if you're going to make mistakes, that's a great place to make them. I think the older you get, just the harder you fall and the harder it is to get back up. And so as much as I dislike the idea of my 14, 15 year old daughter going out with the guy with attitude, (laughs) you know, if she ever brings home somebody with purple, purple hair, nose rings, you know, growing the goatee early, I'm not going to be shouting for joy, but if she wants to date somebody who's a little bit rougher around the edges, man, 14, 15 is a way better time to get your heart broken, to have maybe a mini train wreck than when you're in your 25s, 26, 27. So I'm trying to take more, more of a moderate approach. Yeah, that's great because I often think about that as well. I have two children. They're 14 and 12 now. So I always think about that too. I was like, well, I'm not in a hurry for them to date, but I'm thinking I would much rather have them date in high school and learn the things that they're supposed to learn so that when they get to their 20s, they know exactly that, okay, nope, this is not the person for me. I'm looking for this kind of person. So it does matter. Trina, I'm listening to you talk, and I'm seeing you cringe just a little bit. And I'm thinking, I'm so glad, because I don't know if I'm faking it good or not. But when I'm talking about this, I'm absolutely cringing on the inside. I think there's something as parents, like it's hard to talk about our teenagers dating and getting into a relationship that may not be the best one for them, where we can look back with our experience and think, oh no, I would so rather steer this in another direction. Um, But yeah, I see you pushing through that and saying, hey, if you're going to 
make a mistake, if you need to date a couple guys and see what you like and what you don't like, what a great time to do it. You know, and I think I want my girls to do it while they're still under my roof versus in college where maybe they're going to their friends to get their advice and have their friends help pick up the pieces. Absolutely. Um, So let's move on from the teen dating and let's get more into the adults because we know adults have problems with relationships as well. In your line of work, being a therapist and just knowing what you know, when someone comes to you, let's just say if they had a train wreck like you and say, you know what? I I chose this wrong person. It's over for me. Um, I just made the stupidest mistake of my life. What is your advice to that person? Yeah. So I think my number one piece of advice for a relationship is that it's all about that connection. I think sometimes in marriage and close relationships, we have this misnomer that it's all about communication. In fact, the number one reason people go to therapy is to work on their communication. You know, but Jenny, my wife, if the day I proposed to her, I looked her in the eyes, I said, honey, we are so good at communicating. Man, when I talk, you really understand me. When you talk, I really understand you. We communicate well together. We've got a good partnership. We should get married. I'm not so sure that that would have have flown. You know, when I ask couples, how do you know you're in love? How do you know this is really working? Very rarely rarely do I hear it's because we communicate well. Mm. Typically, if there's a lack of communication, that's mentioned as a problem. You know, that's a barrier to that connection. Um, But good communication is like a good business relationship. And a lot of people I have a good business relationship with, um, as much as I like them, it's not necessarily who you want to marry. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, absolutely. So what is your advice for developing good communication, not only with your partner, but let's just say at work and just in general, being a good communicator? Yeah. So I think the biggest advice I would offer is don't worry so much about the communication. In fact, even be willing to take that communication and put it aside for a little bit and work on that connection piece. Because that's really what probably brought you together as a couple in the first place. And that's what's going to keep you together. In fact, um, I love to borrow the term connectication um, from my friend Glenn. And it's really this idea of, yeah, we're going to communicate, we're going to talk, but even more so, we're focused on our hearts intertwining and tying together. And that's really what makes a difference. So I've surveyed over 100 couples. I said, how do you know you're in love? And the answers I get are things like, he knows what I'm going to say before I even say it. We're best friends. We love spending time together. We take walks. We play games. We laugh together. We watch movies. We do silly stuff. You know, it's always about that connection moment. And so a lot of times when couples get stuck in communication, it's because they've got differences of opinion. 
And all the research says there's some of that that you're just not going to overcome. A lot of those differences of opinion, they are fundamental differences. Try as hard as she might, Jenny's not going to change me. Try as hard as I might, I'm not going to change her. And if we can connect in spite of that, if we can put those differences aside at the end of the day and say, hey, we love each other, so we're going to go out and take a walk together anyways because we're connected, that's what's going to make all the difference. Trina, does that make sense? It does. It really does. But here's the next question, and it may seem kind of redundant, but how do you get to that point? Because like you said, most people get married because they're saying, um, for instance, they'll say, well, you know, this person, financially, we're good together or whatever. And of course, like we all know, when you're first dating or first with someone, that person's representative shows up, right? It's like going to a business interview. You have on your best suit, your best behavior. And then as time goes on, you look back and you go, okay, Rob is not exactly the Rob that I met on the first date who, you know, for the first two months I thought was great. But then you find that you have invested time in this relationship. So you're going, well, I'm really not that happy, but I don't want to leave because I invested time in here. What what can you say for that? Is there any, did you just choose the wrong person? Can you sit down and communicate and talk through some things? What do you say in that case? Latrina, I like that. I love the way you put it, where you talked about the representative. <laughs> Because we've all got one, you know, we've all got, especially for those first dates, that best self that comes out and smiling, laughing. I would say if there's one thing that all representatives probably have in common, it's that determination to have a good time. You know, you go out on those initial dates and it's kind of this idea that no matter what we do, we're going to have fun doing it. And the small stuff, we're just going to overlook that and push it aside. So how do you get that connection back when it's lost? I think you hit the nail on the head. It is to bring that representative back out. Because really, I think sometimes the relationship gets going and that representative just gets shoved in the closet. And this whole connection idea is, I can bring that representative out even if it's for a couple moments. And a lot of times afterwards, I'll look back and say, man, that thing that we're fighting about, it doesn't even make sense. I don't even know why we're arguing about that. But it all starts by reestablishing that connection. And so what I like to do, what I like to encourage couples to do is have multiple connection points throughout the day. Um, I'm a huge fan of this tiny habits movement right now that says the way we make progress on anything, just by building in tiny habits throughout the day. It's how I got my start writing books. I heard this phrase writers write. I said, okay, every single day after I make a, make the coffee in the morning, I'm going to sit down at my desk and I'm going to start writing my next book. Now, fast forward six years, I've written 21 books. I'm working on my 22nd and the routine is the same. Every morning I wake up, I brew a pot of coffee, 
sit down at our sticky dining room table and I start writing my next book. Now, same thing with my relationship with Jenny. So I'm an early writer with six kiddos. Um, that's the only time it's quiet in our house. So about 4.30, 5 in the morning, I'll start writing. About 6 o'clock, Jenny comes down the stairs. And it used to be that I would stay in my zone because by this time the words are flowing, the creativity is coming. But we were missing that connection piece. She says, Jed, you're just, you're gone. You're in another world. And finally it clicked. And I was like, oh, that's got to be my trigger. First time I see Jenny, I close my laptop. I go over it and we take a moment to connect. Sometimes it's five minutes. Sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes we're both in a rush and it's 30 seconds. But it's those tiny connection habits built throughout the day. When she comes home from work, when I come home from work, first time we see each other, there's that habit of we're going to take a moment to check in and connect. It's not about discussing problems. It's not about solving stuff. It's not about returning to old arguments. It's really about us being together and enjoying each other's presence, enjoying the relationship. And so I would say it's bringing out that representative for those short periods of time. And here's what I found. Now, when we have disagreements and we're frustrated, if I miss one of those connection moments, it feels weird. Mm. Like it feels off. If we have a busy day and one of us rushes out the door, one of us will send a text and it'll be, I didn't say hi to you this morning, or you didn't say hi. Does it feels weird? It's like something's missing from our day. This is not how we're supposed to start. So it really is establishing that consistent, steady connection routine. And then a lot of times that other stuff kind of melts away. Realize, you know, it doesn't matter as much as I thought it did. Yeah, I love that. I love the connection moments because you have to be intentional and do those things. And I think that's the key is, like you said, you you guys have that as a routine. That's what you do in the day. You Like you said, you stop writing, you acknowledge your wife, you guys sit down, you just whatever, you, you be with each other in that time and in that space. And that's something that you guys have intentionally done. And I think that's the key. Yeah. Trina, there's this word that I love. Um, heard somebody talk about intimacy, but they defined it as into me see. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of intimacy being peering into each other's inner world. I love you, Dad. I love you too, sweet girl. That was sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I am on daddy duty today and thought I had everything under control, but they are fun. That is my three-year-old. Aww. But really this whole idea of um, going deep and seeing what's going on, um, you know, at that deeper, deeper level when this idea of knowing somebody and being fully known by them. And for me, that makes all the difference. Yeah. So let's talk about your books. You have 21 books and you're working on the 22nd. Is there a certain theme to your book? What are you writing about? What's, what's your genre? 
Yeah, so I tend to jump around a little bit. You know, my first book was on psychology and the Bible. Um, some of my books, I've got four children's books out there teaching life skills for kids. I've got a couple on parenting, but really my passion is relationships. And Trina, most of my books are pretty short. I heard somebody call them airplane books the other day because um, you could jump on an airplane and finish one of my books from start to finish on a flight, on a short flight, mm-hmm. probably like a San Diego to LA flight. Um, <laughs> That's an hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've had some people finish them in an hour, two hours. Um, some of them are conversation starters, so they're not really meant to be read straight through, mm-hmm. but to be talked through together. And um, I got this idea because this is what Jenny and I did when we started dating. I got one of these conversation starter books and I thought, man, this is great. Like one, some of the questions were creative and fun, but two, some of it I wanted to know. I thought, well, I don't want to just come out and ask that. But when the question is written in a book, it's almost like permission. I mean, we're going down question after question and be like, oh, I'd be weird to skip this one so I can just read it. That's not like, oh, Jed, where's that coming from? I'm just reading what's in the book. And for me, that was part of the idea behind this is I want to give couples permission to connect, to connect deeply, to dive into that intimacy. And then the last one I wrote was 30 days of tiny connection challenges for couples. Uh, So one connection a day for 30 days, really with the idea of your relationship's going to grow and hopefully inspiring couples to think how incredible their relationship could be if they took just five minutes to do one action a day to intentionally build into their relationship Mm -hmm. for 30 days. Wow. That's um very interesting. And I, I love that you're doing, it's all focused on couples. It's, and I think we, we need more of that just, you know, just to make the world a, a better place, you know, and I see one of your books is um, Step Family Success. Yeah, uh, that's one Jenny and I wrote together just because blended families and step families do have so many challenges. So another conversation starter book. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of what we learned from our own journey, and part of it is, if you're in a step family, and you feel disconnected at times, you feel like your family is blending slower than you'd like it to be. Um, Sometimes it's confusing, chaotic, and a whirlwind. Then a huge congratulations, you are normal. Because that is Step family life. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really amazing. Now, I always ask other authors this. Um, has anyone who has read your book contacted you to tell you how you impacted them? Yeah, you know, I've been really fortunate. I leave my email on the back of all my books. And it doesn't happen often. But I would say a couple times a year, I get an email from somebody who says, Jen, I absolutely love this. You know, this has been huge. 
And I got one just about a week ago from somebody who had read a tiny ebook I put out on happiness and said, this really worked. This really kind of jump-started that enthusiasm, that motivation, and that joy. So I love it when that happens. You know, sometimes I jump on and I re- read the reviews that people leave, and fortunately more nice ones than not so nice ones up there. Um, but it's huge. Every time somebody leaves a nice review and says, Jed, this really made a difference. Um, for me, that's that motivation to keep going. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love to hear about that because it makes what you're doing worth it. You know that someone, if it's only one person that you've impacted them and that's that's what you set out to do. So that's that's great. Yeah, that is that's really great. So do you want to talk about some of the obstacles that you and your wife have kind of gone through in your journey together and how you've overcome them that could possibly help some other people? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest obstacles is just guarding that time. I think there's a lot of couples who struggle with this nowadays because we just live in this hustle and bustle society where things are going fast paced. And it's tough to slow down and make time to connect. Um, I've heard this explained a couple couple different ways. I heard somebody talk about feeling like a bad amateur plate spinner. You're just racing to keep up and dreading that day where you don't and everything comes crashing down. Um, heard somebody else talk about feeling like a over-caffeinated flea bouncing from one activity to the next. And you've got, you've got a... Um, High schooler now, right? At 14? Yes. I imagine not driving yet. No, not driving, but a lot of attitude. <laughs> a lot of attitude and probably a lot of activities too. Because with one 13-year-old and another 13-year-old just a couple days away, man, sometimes it feels like we are driving from one activity to the next to the next. And so for us, it's really been a process of learning to guard our time together and make that time sacred. So we have two things just built into our day. And one of them is that connection moment in the morning. And the second is that connection moment in the evening. So something Jenny started years ago after the kids go to sleep, that's our time. You know, if I pick up a book, if I watch a TV show she's not interested in. Um, she's going to say, wait, what's going on? And I'm going to do the same thing. Like that is a time that we've carved out just for the two of us. And the way Jenny did it was genius. I think we were married maybe three or four months and sitting on a couch watching a Netflix show. I wasn't into it. Picked up my cell phone and started playing, you know, some mindless video game. Um, I think probably Candy Crush was huge at the time. And so I'm sitting there crushing candy thinking, oh, this isn't going to crush itself. I got to get to the end. You know, little did I know that pretty soon they were going to start coming out with more and more levels and never going to be an end to it. When all of a sudden I feel my phone get pulled out of my hand. I think, wait, what's going on? First, I'm a little confused. I kind of feel that synapsis misfire. And I think, okay, should I be mad? Should I be upset about it? 
And she's just kind of shaking her head and says no, but does it with this sweet smile. <laughs> and it's just kind of this, uh-uh. I'm like, oh, you really want to hang out and be with me right now. And I'm pushing that out. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. That's almost become an inside joke where if she's on her phone or on her computer or starting to, you know, lose interest, I'll say, don't make me take that away. And she'll do the same thing. That's kind of got this playful tone of, hey, remember, this is our time. This is why we got married. And this is what we're guarding. I think there's more distractions than ever before. So it's hard to do that. But I would say that's an obstacle that we learn to overcome. And um, still in many ways are learning how to overcome. Because as soon as we think we've got those distractions pushed out of the way, it feels like a dozen more come right back at us. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's a great thing, though, how she did that. It wasn't mean or regretful. She just did it playfully, but not playfully. And you knew exactly where she was coming from. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for humor in a relationship. And sometimes even taking a serious stance or drawing a line, but doing it with a smile on your face or a quirky smile on your face, sometimes that'll let you get away with a lot. Yeah, exactly. And and that's and I really love what you're saying is how how you guys do or are doing things to foster that time together. And not necessarily do you have to be verbally holding a conversation, but it's just the fact that you guys are spending that time being with one another. And would you say that's just as important as verbally communicating? Absolutely. Yeah, it goes back to those two key words I love, the connectication and intimacy. Connectication I see as just hanging out and enjoying one another's presence. And that's mostly what the evenings are set aside for is being together, whether we're eating a meal together, sitting out by the fire, um, playing a board game, just as long as it's the two of us enjoying being in one another's presence, that's huge. And then a lot of times it leads to that intimacy where we're talking about the day, diving deeper into hopes, dreams, fears. Um, but something I know about guys is we can't take all of that. You know, if Jenny wants to go deep and wants to only do that, I'm going to feel overwhelmed and think to my honey, I just want to hang out. I just want to. So it's finding that balance of the two. Does that kind of make sense? It does. And as you were talking, I was thinking, that's all great, but you guys have six kids. So <laughs> how do you guys do it? You know, because I would imagine you can't just wait till the end of the day or the beginning of the day. You got to have some time in between there. And you guys have small kids. So in between with those six kids, do you guys ever have a, a moment where you're like, okay, let's go lock ourselves in a closet so we can have some time together? Such a good point. I feel like the three-year-old knows, like, 
I can't tell you, it's been a quiet day today. As soon as I t- jump on a podcast, as soon as I jump on the phone, it's going to be at the door, daddy, I love you. Or soon as I'm alone with, with mom, that's going to be the other, like they know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it just, it made me laugh because I was going as well as you guys plan and have your routine. It's got to be interrupted some kind of way with the kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, really we just make the best of it and know that we're in that busy season of life. And also know, I think that in many ways, 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and miss this. Yeah. I think it's going to be an initial big sigh of relief. And yes, we've got the alone time. We've got the quiet. But now with my oldest being 13, I get it. Yeah. I remember when she was born and older adults would say, Jed, enjoy this time now because it goes by quick. And I would roll my eyes and think, yeah, that's what adults are supposed to say. Now I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I've got a 13 year old. This goes by quick. Yes. Mine are almost 15 and 13. So yeah, it goes by very quick. It's funny because I remember when my kids, like your daughter would I would come home and they'd be like, mommy, I love you. And now it's like, I can't even get them to sit down and hold a conversation with me. So I think we're in that stage where we're both appreciative of what we've got. And we know sometimes it's interrupted and sometimes it is that fight to keep that connection time. Now, good thing is, is now that we've got 13 years, year olds in the house, we've got built in babysitters. And for the first time, we're able to sneak away for breakfast. Like, yes, this is great. Yeah. Now, that is a great thing. Isn't it? I would say for parents who are stuck in that hustle and bustle with young kids, um, there is an end to it. So it really is enjoying that season, making the most of it, and knowing that it's only for a time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because mine are at the point where... I can leave and I don't have to work because they're self-sufficient. I don't have to be at home. I can actually go out and have a life, you know, sometimes and have dinner with friends. So that's the great thing. Okay, Jed, we're going to move into our questions. Are you ready? All right, I'm ready. Okay, I hope you studied for these. (laughs) (laughs) Trina, I have no idea what you're going to throw at me, but I have a feeling this is going to be fun. It is. Okay, so question one, who or what motivates you? Well, my family motivates me. You know, if there's one thing that motivates me to get up early in the morning and write, um, to do what I do, it's just this idea of family, of doing it to provide for them, take care of them, and wanting to learn myself, wanting to learn how to have a great relationship to model that for my kids. And even to change some of this pattern that was set in motion, you know, I didn't know how to do relationships right or even well. And I'm sure my kids, you know, won't get everything perfect, but I want them to have that solid foundation of this is what a good relationship looks like. So one is that motivation to help other people, but two, it's that motivation um, to pass this on to my own kids. Right. What demotivates you? 
what demotivates me? That is a great question. You know, it's easy to get discouraged. I know sometimes in writing, one or two star reviews, I feel like I've been doing this long enough, it shouldn't drain me. But every time one hits, I'm like, oh, I want to do better. I want to engage everybody and reach everybody. And when I see that I put something out there that just didn't click, didn't resonate, there's always something inside that says, man, I wish I had gotten it right. I wish I'd been able to connect with that person. Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Hmm. Such a great question and so many points that I could jump to. You know, recently had a job change and kind of came unexpected and at a tough time. And we're seeing it work for good. We're seeing the writing increase, the connections increase, the um, influence increase. So through some bumps in the road at work, Really, it's taken us to where we wanted to go and talked about going a little bit quicker than if those bumps hadn't have been there. What is your fear? What is my fear? That I'm going to miss it. Talked about being caught up in that hustle and bustle. And even now with my kids, sometimes I look back and realize just how quick they're growing up. And there still is that twinge of fear of, I don't get a second chance to be a part of this. I don't want to miss it. Yeah. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh, so many times. And being somebody who likes to geek out on that psychology research, you know, from what I hear very rarely to people get to the end of their lives and their regrets are, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I'm sure it's there, but usually the biggest regrets are, man, I wish I had dived in. I wish I had done this sooner. So I think for me, it would have been, would have been the courage to really dive into relationships sooner than I did. Hmm. Okay, is there a time when you wish you had not done something? Oh, a time I wish I had not done something. And that one is tough because that first relationship, man, did that hurt. And man, was that painful. And that's the first place where my mind goes. You know, especially growing up, um, raised in a Christian home, going to seminary, studying to be a pastor. I don't like this divorce that's on my record. I think, man, if I could go back in time and remove that, like there's part of me that longs for that. Mm-hmm. And there's another part of me that says, I've learned so much on the journey. It would be hard to take that back. So Trina, can I leave this with an I don't know because I'm I'm torn. There's part of it where I say, man, that train wreck, that hurt, that was painful. And now coming out on the other side, it's really good. And 
So I think I'm going to leave that answer. Does anybody who's there, I want to leave them with that sense of hope. If you're in the middle of that train wreck, man, keep going, keep pressing through because life can be good on the other side. Okay. What is your definition of success? For me, success is all about tying back into family again. You know, would like to have enough income to take care of my family. Um, But even more so, connection and adventure. And looking back 20 years from now, and all of us thinking, man, we had great family moments together. We had a lot of fun. And so for me, that would be success is that our kids learn, they've grown, they're happy, they're healthy, and they look back at this time together and they just light up. How do you recharge? Running. Um, that's been my new thing. Told Jenny two years ago, one day I'd love to run a marathon and she wasn't sure if I was serious or not. So Christmas, she got me a marathon entry. I was like, oh, well, I've got this and said I was going to do it. So now I, now I have to. Um, so I've run the Twin Cities Marathon two years in a row now. And I love it. Um, hoping to keep running. Marathon itself is fun, but even more so just the, the training and running around the lake next to our house, audiobooks on. Um, just a great escape and freeing and something about getting into that rhythm. Everything else melts away. So for me, that's, that's the biggest recharge. Hmm. What are you awesome at? Wow, that's a big question. (laughs) You know, I'm awesome at keeping a consistent writing routine. I don't know that I'm the best writer out there. Um, Would like to be. But one thing that I can do is that consistency. And so I'm learning along the way. I remember that first book I wrote, I poured my heart and soul into it and thought, this is incredible. In fact, probably spent more time on that than anything I ever wrote. And now whenever I go back and look at it, it's almost a little bit painful. You know, I've got memories of being this great writer. And now I start reading the first page and like, oh, I could change that. I could say that. that. But one thing that I've gotten really good at is that consistency and that routine and learning along the way. What legacy do you want to leave? Legacy I want to leave is for my kids. As a dad who loved them, laughed with them, had fun with them, loved their mom, um, modeled how to be in a healthy, fun, engaged, vibrant relationship. For me, that would be a huge win. Wow. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. One motivational takeaway is Wherever you're at in your relationship, keep going. Um, I think right now there is kind of a focus on good enough. See so many relationships stuck between saying I do on their wedding day and finding their happily ever after. And um, that's why I started this Facebook group, Joyfully Married. You know, it's great to work on problems, work out issues, 
but we want to celebrate along the way. And so it's really taken this different approach of, yeah, we're going to work on problems. We're going to talk about those. Um, but we're going to celebrate the good stuff every single day because there's always something good that's happening in our relationship. The trick is to find it. So I would say in that relationship, take time to celebrate and enjoy the journey. Okay, Jed, give the listeners, tell the listeners how they can connect with you. Absolutely. So the best way to connect with me is on my blog, coffeeshopconversations.com. So coffeeshopconversations.com. Um, I've got books up there, blog posts, um, starting to put up pod, podcasts, the podcasts that I'm on. So great way to connect. And um, like I said, my email is in the back of every single one of my books. And it's on my blog too. So you can connect with me by email as well. Well, Jed, I thank you for your time and coming on and talking to us about communication and relationships. It's really been um, very enlightening. So I thank you for taking the time out and talking with me today. Trina, thank you. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.